0: Thanks for checking out the Refuge Official Podcast. Wherever you're from, we hope that this message will encourage you and help you grow in your relationship with God. Good morning, everybody. It's such a blessing and a privilege to be up here sharing the word with you this morning. As Pastor Matt said, I'm Sam Schneider. I have the tremendous honor of being on staff here at Refuge, making all the videos that we see here and online. and It's genuinely just such a blessing to be here this morning. And before we really get into anything more, I just want us to give a quick five-second shout of praise to the Lord because he is so worthy and he is so deserving and he deserves every bit of praise and glory that we can give him. And I also, I also want to give love and honor to our pastors here at Refuge because we just have some of the most incredible pastors. Pastor Matt, you said that I came here rough around the edges and I've been refined. That was first and foremost by God, but it was also by your teaching and by your sowing into my life. And I can say beyond a shadow of a doubt that I would not be the man I am today without both of you being involved in my life. And so I just thank you so much for that, so much for our pastors here at Refuge. And thank you for trusting me with your congregation this morning. And in honoring Pastor Matt, I'm going to start my message the same way he typically starts his messages with a little bit of humor. And so we've been going through this summer camp series recently, and so my, uh, my humor has a little bit of a summer theme to it. And I promise you, I promise you it's not the best humor you've ever heard, but we're going to give it a shot, okay? <laughs> so the first one here, what do you do when you get rejected from a job at the sunscreen factory? You reapply. It only gets worse. It only gets worse. Okay. What is the most mathematical aspect of our lives during summer? It's the tan lines, right? Okay. One more, one more. And this one might leave you a little stumped, but what do you get when you cross a joke with a rhetorical question? So what are we going to be talking about this morning? This morning... If you, if you have your Bible, I strongly encourage you to get it out and to read along. If you don't have your Bible, I'd love it if you could look up the scripture that we're going to be going into this morning because I know you've all probably heard this a thousand times before, but reading along with the scripture that's being read doesn't just help you to retain it better, but it helps you to recall it when you need that scripture. So I strongly, strongly encourage you to read along with the scriptures this morning so that not just do you remember it, but instead you can also recall it. Maybe when you're feeling a little bit down, when you need to remember this message, you can recall this scripture. And the passage that we're going to be starting in this morning, this foundational passage, is going to be Romans chapter 12, verses 1 through 8. It's a big chunk of scripture, I know, but this is going to be our foundation for the message today. This is what we're going to build everything off of. So feel free to just get to Romans chapter 12, verses 1 through 8. And I'll give you a second to get there. For those of you who didn't get that uh, joke rhetorical question, a joke is typically something that warrants a response, while a rhetorical question is not supposed to be answered. And when you mess the two together... You'll get it on the ride home. So, (laughs) Romans chapter 12, verses 1 through 8. What do we see in the scriptures here? Let's go ahead and read. Romans chapter 12, verse 1. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment." each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and in the original Greek text this would have said many parts, for as in one body we have many parts, and the parts do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members or parts one of another. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, and the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. Now, I know this is a big chunk of scripture, but I promise you it's so important because this is going to be our foundation for our message today. And the message today for you note takers and for myself when I put this online is titled, Passionately Pursuing purpose, okay? We're going to talk about your purpose today and what it means to passionately pursue it. And we're going to break this talk on purpose down into three parts. We're first going to build this foundation of you have a purpose, okay? There's not one person who is born into this world and there's not one person who leaves this world without a purpose. Each and every one of us has a purpose. And together, we all share a purpose. It is our collective purpose as children of God, as the body of Christ. And that's going to be the second part we're going to be talking about. It's our collective purpose. And then from there, we're going to talk about your individual purpose, because I know that that is a part that so many people can struggle with. They can struggle to realize that they have a purpose. They can struggle to find their purpose. And so thirdly, we're going to talk about your individual purpose. But before we really get into all this, I just want to say a quick word of prayer. So let's just go ahead and bow our heads. Thank you Father God, thank you so much for what a blessing it is to be in your house today. We thank you so much that your presence is here in this place and that you are among us. And Lord, I pray that these would not be my words that are spoken this morning, but that they would be your words and that they would fall on fertile soil, Father God. I pray that not one person who came in here today will leave the same, that these words, these words, your words would fall on that fertile soil and they would grow and that everyone would leave this place today with a new revelation of their purpose in this world. Thank you, Father God. Thank you so much for your amazing, wonderful love and purpose for our lives. So, this this part one, you have a purpose. A lot of people like to go at this from a few different angles, and today I'm going to take an angle that maybe you've never heard about before. I'm going to talk about the odds of you, you specifically, Actually, being alive. And to do this, I'm going to call back to an article from 2012 in Business Insider by Dina Spector that outlined the study done by one Dr. Ali Binazar, who is a graduate from Harvard and um, UC San Diego School of Medicine. And what he did in this study was he actually did the calculations and looked at the ratios of the odds of you specifically being alive. And so I'm going to kind of go through this study this morning and break it down, and we're going to start with kind of the smaller numbers, and we're going to talk about the odds of your parents actually meeting each other. And the odds of that, according to the study, are 1 in 20,000. I know I said we were starting with the small numbers, but this is about as small as the numbers get, you guys, for your parents to meet each other, for them to be in the same geographical region, and for their paths to cross, the odds of that happening are roughly 1 in 20,000 already one in 20,000, just for your parents to meet each other. Okay? And now, for that meeting to lead to them actually having a child together, the odds are about one in 2,000. One in 2,000. So not only did your parents have to meet, but they had to have a child together. And when you plug these numbers together, you already see that the odds of your parents meeting and having a child, but not having you specifically, just your parents having a child, are one in 40 million. Already, the odds of your parents just meeting and having a child, 1 in 40 million. But that's not you specifically. That's just them meeting and having a child. And this is already a massive number, I know. But the, the, the number gets even more massive when we consider that for that child to be you specifically, for your parents to cuddle, as Andy, Andy put it so graciously a few weeks back, for them to cuddle and that to result in you specifically, the odds are about 1 in 4 quadrillion Go ahead and pull that up. One in four quadrillion. That is a four with 15 zeros after it. So not only did your parents have to meet and cuddle, and that cuddling resulting in you specifically, but your parents' parents had to meet, okay? And then your parents' parents had to meet. And we can take this all the way back, all the way through the biblical timeline, all the way back to Adam and Eve using the biblical age of the earth and we can see that on the low end, some people guesstimate there have been roughly 120 generations since Adam and Eve and on the high end, anywhere between 200 and 300 generations since Adam and Eve and so all the way back, on the low end 120 generations, all the way back, your great, 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 great grandparents had to meet and then your great, 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 great grandparents had to be a result of that and you can see that this number grows so exponentially and so minuscule that the only explanation the world has to offer you is that you're here by chance. But I'm telling you today that you are not here by chance. And I understand, I understand that these numbers, these numbers are complicated. Even for myself, who is a numbers-oriented person, these are massive numbers that are really complicated. And so I want to bring a visual element into this as well. Go ahead and pull up that picture of the stars. I want everyone to think about the clearest night they've ever seen, okay? You walk outside, you step out of your car, there's no city light polluting the sky. There's not a cloud in the sky. Just think about the clearest night you've ever seen. Okay, according to universe today, there's anywhere between 100 and 300 billion stars in our Milky Way galaxy, but you cannot see 100 to 300 billion stars. No, from Earth, only about 8,500 stars are actually visible, but that's not even to the naked eye. To the naked eye, only about 2,500 stars are visible. Okay, so on the clearest night you can possibly remember, you could only see about 2,500 stars. How does this compare to the odds of you being alive? Well, this clearest night Sky, you've ever seen the number of stars in that sky is only roughly one in 160 billionth of the odds of you specifically being alive. Imagine the clearest night you've ever seen, and multiply that night sky by 160 billion, and you're just maybe scratching the surface of the odds of you specifically being alive, okay? And I don't say all of this. I don't say all of this just to confuse you with complicated numbers or complex imagery, but I say this because I want you so desperately to understand that I might not know your story, and I might not know your parents' story or their parents' story or your family history, but I do know this. You are a miracle, okay? And every miracle, every miracle ever done in the Old Testament or the New Testament was done for a purpose, okay? You Are a miracle and every miracle has a purpose. Now, you might be saying, you know, I just. Maybe, maybe miracles happen all the time just because God's a nice guy. Maybe these miracles are just acts of kindness that God throws down every now and then. Or maybe you're skeptical of miracles entirely. So I want to just step away from these complicated numbers for a second and jump back into the scriptures, okay? And if you would, turn with me to John chapter 10, verses 37 through 38, okay? And the context for this scripture is Jesus is talking to a crowd of very hostile Jews who want to stone him to death for saying that he is the Son of God, okay? Let's see what the scripture says. John chapter 10 verses 37 through 38. This is Jesus speaking. If I am not doing the works of my Father, then do not believe me. But if I do them, even though you don't believe me, believe the works that you may know and understand that the Father is in me and I am in the Father. So what does this mean? Jesus is saying, even if you don't believe in me, believe in these works, these works of God, these acts of God, these miracles are one Evidence of the Father's power, and two, they are an example of His purpose unfolding here in this world. Okay, I'm gonna say that again. Miracles, like you and I, are examples of the Father's power, and (laughs) they are examples of the Father's power and evidence of His purpose unfolding here in this world. Okay, every miracle, just like you and I, we are miracles. The fact that we are here is a miracle. Every miracle has a purpose. There has never been a miracle done without a purpose. And so we can see this all throughout the scriptures. And so I'm just going to reference these scriptures, but you can feel free to go back to them if you'd like. We can see this chain of events all throughout the scriptures that happens because of these miracles. And we can see starting right in Genesis chapter 6 verses 13 through 32, the Lord commands Noah to build an ark. And because Noah is obedient, the Lord spares Noah and his family from the flood. And because Noah and his family are spared, the earth is able to replace and because the earth is able to repopulate, Moses is born. And Moses leads the children of Israel out of Egypt and into the wilderness. And we see in Exodus 16, chapter 4, the Lord sends manna to the children of Israel while they are in the wilderness so they don't starve to death. And because the Lord sends them this manna, they are able to enter the promised land. And because they are able to enter the promised land, King David is born. And because King David is born, we can see his lineage traced directly to Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, who we see... In Mark 1, 30 through 32, he heals Simon's mother-in-law of a fever. And we see that the whole city hears about this healing and they all gather around the house and many are healed of their infirmities and many demons are cast out that night. We see again in Matthew 14, 13 through 21, Jesus takes five loaves of bread and two fish and he multiplies them to feed over five 1,000 people. Why does he do this? He does this so that not one of his followers has to ever go hungry. He will provide for you. He does this so that he does not have to turn away one person. Instead, everyone gets to stay and bask in his presence. He will never turn away one. And we see Finally, in John 20, 11 through 18, the greatest miracle that there has ever been, Jesus Christ goes to the cross, dies and raises again so that you and I no longer have to spend eternity in hell separated from him, suffering forever. But instead, we get to accept him into our lives and we get to bask in his presence and worship him forever at his feet in heaven. Every miracle has a purpose. You and I, we are a miracle and we have a purpose. Now, there is this purpose that we all share together as children of God, as the body of Christ. And we're going to go ahead and talk about that, this purpose that we share together. What is this? Well, we can see this purpose, again, back in the scriptures. We're going to go to Matthew 5, verses 13 through 16. I, again, encourage you guys so strongly to read along. Matthew five thirteen through 16, okay? You are the salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its taste... In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. So, what is this passage telling us? This is telling us three things. This is telling us that our collective purpose is to one, be set apart, two, to live differently, and to three, be an example. Where do we see this specifically? What well, we see a city set on a hill cannot be hidden. What does this mean? This means that we are not supposed to look like the rest of the world because of what we have inside of us, because of this light of Jesus that we have. We are not supposed to look like the rest of the world around us, but we are supposed to be set apart. We are a city set on a hill that cannot be hidden. What do we see next? We see, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket but on a stand. We aren't supposed to hide this light that we have been given, but we're instead supposed to put it on a stand so that everyone can see. Okay, we're supposed to live this Jesus life publicly. And as we live this Jesus life publicly, we see, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. In living this Jesus life publicly, we are setting an example for every single person that we come into contact with. That there is something different about us because of what we possess. Because of this light of Jesus that is on the inside of us. It is what makes us different. It is what sets us apart, allows us to live differently, and be an example. We are supposed to be set apart by our salvation in Jesus. We are supposed to live differently by walking in righteousness, and we are supposed to be an example. We are supposed to let this light shine. What does this look like, though? Well, maybe, maybe you're the friend that's in charge of the ox when you and your friends go somewhere. Are you setting an example? Are you being set apart? Or are you playing the music that the world wants you to listen to? Please, dear Jesus, don't let it be Cardi B. Please, Are you being that example? Are you being that light? Are you being set apart, living differently, and being an example? Maybe your group of friends at work is talking about going and getting messed up Friday night. Are you being set apart? Are you living differently? And are you being an example? Or are you just going to conform to the world and go out with them? Or are you going to say, no, that might have been me once, but that is not me now. I have this light of Jesus on the inside of me. Okay? Maybe maybe your friend group is having a conversation that's Really shouldn't be happening. Maybe your group of friends is objectifying that girl. Or your group of friends is objectifying that guy. Maybe you're talking about whether we should roll one up. No. Are you going to be the rock? Are you going to be the one that does not conform? The one that does not move, but plants its feet and stays where it needs to be? Are you going to be set apart, to live different, and to be an example? That has to be what we do as the body of Christ, as children of God. We are called to be a city set on a hill Not a city down in the valley with all the other cities, but a city set on a hill. This is what our collective purpose is. We are to be set apart by our salvation, to live differently by walking in righteousness, and we are supposed to be an example by letting this light that we have on the inside of us shine for all to see. Let me ask you this. Did the last person you meet know that you were a Christian by the end of the conversation? Did they? And you might say, Sam, I just, I just met them. We talked for five minutes. What, why would they know I'm a Christian at the end of that conversation? This light that is inside of you should be so strong that they can't help but know you are a Christian by the time they are done talking with you. I don't care if it's a complete stranger at Starbucks or someone you've known for years. If it's someone you've known for years, they should know you're a Christian. And if they don't, that's an even bigger problem because you are not living this Jesus life Publicly, that is our collective purpose. What is it to be set apart by our salvation, to live differently by walking in righteousness, and to be an example by letting this light shine? Okay, that is our collective purpose. But we also have this individual purpose that's specific, that's special to us, okay? And I know, I know that this is the part that a lot of people can have some trouble with. They can have trouble finding their purpose. They can have trouble figuring out what their purpose is. But I'm here to tell you today, your purpose is not something that you find. You can't find it. It is something that is made known to you by God. You can't find it. He has to make it known to you. And you might be saying, well, Sam, how does he make it known to me? It's like, it's like I can't hear from him. Well, I want us to go back to this foundational scripture, okay? This Romans chapter 12, verses 1 through 5. We're going to go back here, and out of this, we're going to pull three elements that are your individual purpose, okay? These three elements make up your individual purpose and your pursuit of that purpose, okay? Romans chapter 12, verse 1 again. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, Right here in verse 1, we see the first element of your individual purpose. Present your bodies as a living sacrifice. Let's keep reading. Holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Right here in verse 2, we see the second element of your individual purpose. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Okay, let's keep reading. That by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment. Here is the third element. Here in verse 3, we see. Think with sober judgment. Do not think of yourself more highly than you ought to think, but think with sober judgment. This is the third element of your individual purpose. Okay, let's let's finish reading here. Each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members or parts, and the members or parts do not all have the same function, so we, though many... Are one body in Christ and individually members one of another. So, that first element that we see in verse 1 present your bodies as a living sacrifice. Now, maybe that's the first time you've heard that scripture, or maybe that scripture has stumped you in the past. What does this mean to present your body as a living sacrifice? Well, in my opinion, the easiest way to think about presenting your body as a living sacrifice is to think about yourself driving up to an intersection. And stopping at the stop sign, okay? And in front of you, there is a one way. And this one way is God's way. It's God's will. It's God's purpose for your life. You drive up to the stop sign, and instead of blowing through the stop sign and continuing on your way, instead of following your own fleshly desires, instead of following the world, instead of following your own will, your own path for your life, you stop. Okay, You come up to this intersection and you stop and you present your body, your life, as a living sacrifice. And instead of continuing on your own way, you stop and you turn onto God's will, onto God's way, onto God's purpose for your life. That is what it means to present your body as a living sacrifice. It means that you live your life for him. You don't live it for yourself. Now... The second part that we see in verse 2, element 2, do not conform to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Now, do not conform to this world. I think we have a, a bit of an understanding of that already, right? We're not supposed to conform to this world. We're not supposed to be playing the music that the world wants to hear. We're not supposed to be going out with our friends after work Friday night. We're not supposed to be having those conversations. We understand what it means to not conform to this world. But the second part here, To be transformed by the renewal of your mind. What does this mean? This is another one that maybe you've never heard before, or maybe it's given you some trouble. What does it mean to be transformed by the renewal of your mind? Well, again, in my opinion, the easiest way to think about being transformed by the renewal of your mind is to think about a diet, okay? Here in this physical world, we'll go on a diet to make our bodies healthier, to make our bodies stronger, to make our bodies more fit. Well, to be transformed by the renewal of your mind means that you go on a diet for your mind. It means that you stop taking in what is bad and you start taking in more and more of what is good. And there are no cheat days with this diet. This diet this being transformed by the renewal of your mind, it doesn't allow for a cheat day. You can't have sugar Sunday or sweet Saturday. No. This being transformed by the renewal of your mind is a everyday thing. You have to stop taking in what is bad and start taking in more and more and more of what is good. And you might say, Sam, good. That's kind of broad. What is what is good? What's good for me? I feel like I feel like a lot of stuff is good for me. Netflix could be good for me, right? I'm being entertained. No. We see in the scriptures what good is, okay? We see in Philippians 4, verse 8. Paul, again, speaking. He says, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise... Think about these things. This is the definition of good. This is our diet when we are renewing our mind, okay? These are the things that we have to dwell on. And guys, I know, I know how easy it is to not dwell on these things. To instead dwell on Netflix for eight hours straight, then you look out your window and it's dark outside and you have no idea where the day went. To, to dwell on YouTube for hours on end because you're just numbing your mind to the world that's so crazy around us. I know what it's like to maybe dwell on a bit of a darker place. To know what it's—to to, to maybe think, you know, is it really worth making it to tomorrow? Or maybe, what, what's, what's wrong with going on that website one more time? No. To renew your mind, there are no cheat days. We have to dwell on what it tells us here in Philippians 4.8. We have to dwell on what is true, what is honorable, what is just, pure, lovely, commendable. If there is any excellence or anything worthy of praise— This is what we have to dwell on. To be transformed by the renewal of your mind, you have to get on this diet and you will never ever get a cheat day or get off of it. It sounds like a big commitment, but guess what? What happens when we go on a diet? We become better. When you get on this diet, you will become the best version of yourself and you will find your purpose in this life. Now that third element that we see in verse three, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought to think but think with sober judgment." Now, this one seems maybe a little bit more straightforward, right? Don't think of yourself more highly than you ought to think. Don't be prideful, right? Pride cometh before the fall. That's scriptural, isn't it? Well, this is not exactly what this is saying. What this is saying is, I want us to focus in on this specific part, think with sober judgment, okay? This sober judgment doesn't have to do with alcohol. It doesn't have to do with any substance. To think with sober judgment means that we are not thinking anymore with our human nature, but instead we are thinking through the reflection of Jesus Christ, okay, To think with sober judgment that means that we lay down our human nature. Our human nature that causes us to inflate our own self-image. Our human nature that causes us to wake up in the morning and to see our master's degree and our six-figure job and see our neighbor with his tech school degree and his five-figure job. And it causes us to think of ourselves more highly than our neighbor. It causes us to look into one of those funky mirrors, what do you call them, where you you might be like a five-footer, your friend might be a six-footer, but you might look like a ten-footer, they might look like a two-footer, a funhouse mirror. That is what our human nature causes us to do. It causes us to see ourselves as higher than those around us. But to think with sober judgment means that we lay down this human nature and we instead look into the reflection that is Jesus Christ, the clearest, most perfect reflection we could possibly look into, Jesus Christ, who we are supposed to strive to be more and more like every day. And we look into that reflection And we don't see ourselves as higher than our neighbor, no matter our degree, no matter our job, no matter our car, no matter our house. Instead, we see each other as beloved children of God who are all put here with a purpose, who are all members of this body, who are all parts of this body. And when we look at ourselves in this way and we see ourselves not more highly than we ought to, but we think with sober judgment, this is when the Lord starts to make his purpose for our life known to us, okay? And I know, I know you might be saying, Sam, you haven't told me if I'm supposed to be in this line of work. You haven't told me if I'm supposed to go to the mission field. You haven't told me if I'm supposed to start this job or that one. Maybe I've got all these offers and I don't know what to do. Maybe you don't have a job right now. Maybe you are looking for a job and maybe it's just not working out. And you are saying, Sam, what, what am I supposed to do? What is my purpose? And the fact of the matter is, I can't tell you what your purpose is. Only God can. And you might be thinking, you might be thinking, well, I just, I can't hear from God. It's like, it's like he's not talking to me. It's like I can't hear from him. It's like there's a wall there. And I'm telling you today that not only can you hear from God, he is ready and willing to talk to you. But if there is a wall there, it is a wall that you built. Okay? It is a wall that you built, not God. He is your creator. He created you. You are a miracle. He created you through a miracle. And every miracle has a purpose, okay? He is your creator. The creator determines the purpose of his creation, okay? He is an artist and a potter. We sang that this morning. He is an artist and a potter, and I'll have the worship team come back up. He is an artist and a potter, and the potter does not get to tell this, the, I'm sorry, the potter gets to tell the vase that he made that it is meant to hold flowers, okay? This vase can say, no thanks bro, I'm good. I'm going to go be a plate, okay? But that vase is going to be the worst plate of all time, and while it's trying to be a plate, it's actually going to deprive a real plate of its own purpose, and that's a whole other message in itself, of stepping on toes, okay? But to, uh, the potter gets to tell the vase, no, you are not meant to be a plate. You are supposed to be a vase. You will hold flowers, and you are going to be so, so good at holding flowers when you just obey me, your creator. Okay, but maybe maybe you don't really know what it's like to have that type of intimacy with your creator. Maybe you don't know what it looks like to actually be in fellowship with the creator. Maybe you are in that place where you just feel like you can't hear from God, where you feel like there is that wall there. I'm telling you, you can hear from God. And today is the day that that wall can get torn down, okay? This, today, is your chance to start new, to start finding your purpose. And if you know what your purpose is, if you have practiced these three elements that we see, when you practice these three elements, when you lay down your own desires and you instead, to present, you instead decide to present yourself as a living sacrifice, when you decide to go on that diet, when you decide to allow yourself to be transformed by the renewal of your mind, and when you do not think of yourself more highly than you ought to think, but instead you think with this sober judgment, you see yourself as a, Of divine creation just like everyone else in this room we are divine creation we were placed here by our creator with a purpose when you do these things okay when you when you when you present your body as a living sacrifice that first element and when you do not conform to this world but you instead allow God to transform you by you renewing your mind and when you do not think of yourself more highly than you ought to think The Lord will make his purpose for your life known to you, okay? You don't find your purpose. Your purpose is made known to you when you practice these three things. When you get into God's presence, when you seek God more and more every day, when you're on this diet of renewing your mind, you stop taking in what is bad and you start taking in what is good. Because how many of us know when our body and our mind is so full of all this junk, we don't have room for God. We have to flush our mind and allow there to be room for him to come in and today in just a minute we're going to give you the opportunity to say what we around here call a believer's prayer and this this believer's prayer it's accepting Jesus into your life and allowing him to fill those holes to fill you with all that he is it's allowing him into your life maybe it's for the first time maybe it's for the hundredth maybe you have some repenting that you need to do Regardless, I don't care if it's the first time or the thousandth. I promise you all, I've said this prayer a thousand times myself. It doesn't matter because it, no matter what, What time it is for you saying it, first, thousandth, millionth, I don't care. It is the most important prayer you could ever pray because if you want to find your purpose, if you want to stop feeling stuck, and how many of us think that stuck is a pretty good title for 2020, right? We're all feeling a bit stuck, okay? If you want to stop feeling stuck and you instead want to find the purpose that God has for your life and you practice these three elements, This is how you do it. It all starts here. It starts with saying this prayer. So right now, what I'm going to ask everyone to do is I'm going to ask everyone to close their eyes and bow their heads. No one's going to be looking around. No one's going to be looking around. If you want God to make his purpose for your life known to you, this is your chance. This is how it starts. You accept him into your life. And so, again, it doesn't matter if it's the first time or the thousandth. This is the most important decision you could ever make. This is the most important decision there is. He is the good shepherd. It does not matter how far you've run. He will leave behind the 99 to go and chase you down because that is how much he loves you. He loves you so dearly. You are his creation. He created you for a purpose, and now today he is standing with his arms wide open, and he is ready to give you the greatest hug you could possibly imagine. He is the creator. He is the potter. He is saying, face, come home. Let me fix the chips. Let me knock away all the imperfections. Let me make you new. Let me make you whole. If you feel like you're so stuck, so bogged down by all these chips and imperfections, this is it. This is the prayer you say to get back on track. This is the prayer you say to invite Jesus into your life. So every eye closed, no one looking around. If you want to say this prayer today, I just want you to raise your hand. Raise your hand. If this is, if you want to accept Jesus into your life, this is it. This is the prayer. This brings Jesus in and he makes you new and he makes you whole. I see that hand. I see that hand. I see those hands. I see that hand. Okay, okay. Thank you, Father God, so much. I just want everyone to go ahead and repeat after me as we all say this prayer together. We're all saying this together Father God, I acknowledge that I am a sinner and that I need you as my Savior. I pray that you come into my life today. I pray that you take away all that is old and fill me with all of you. I pray that instead of me feeling stuck, you make your purpose for my life known to me. I accept you into my life today, Jesus, and I declare that you are my Lord and Savior. If that is your first time that you said that prayer, I am so unbelievably happy for you because your name is now written in the book of life and you are one who has been restored and you are being made new and God is doing a work in you right now that cannot be undone so long as you diligently chase after him. Okay, we're gonna sing our final song here in just a moment. But before we do, I just want to say a prayer over everyone here. You don't have to repeat after me. I'm just going to pray for everyone as we get ready to sing and dismiss this service. Father God, I thank you so much for each and every one of your creations that sits in this room. I thank you that they are not here by chance, but they are a miracle and that they are a miracle with a purpose. Father God, I just thank you. I thank you so much for how amazing of a creator you are, that you can make each and every one of us, that you could knit us together in our mother's womb and know the hairs on our head before we were born into this physical earth, God. You are so divine and so incredible, and Father God, I just thank you. I thank you for the work that you are doing in your children here today. I thank you that as your scriptures say in Psalm 57, they will cry out to you as you fulfill their purpose for their life. Your purpose for their Thank you, Father God, for doing this work in each and every one of your children here today. I pray that they encounter you in a way like they never have before during this worship song, Father God. And I pray, I pray just as we prayed as we started this message that no one leaves here today the same way that they came in thank you so much in advance for fulfilling this work and for making your children whole and for revealing your purpose for their life to them today Father God, when they practice these three elements when we fulfill our collective purpose and when we understand that we are put here divinely with a purpose by you Father God, I just thank you so much that you are doing a work in this place today in your name we pray today, amen feel free to stand and worship with us guys Refuge, we believe all people matter to God. Thank you so much for listening. If you would like to connect further with Refuge, feel free to go online to wearerefuge.net or on social media at wearerefuge.